Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. It is November the 3rd. This is Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we have an unusual show for today. And this show is about, frankly, Zillow's epic failure in the home buying space. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sharing with all of you essentially all the stuff that you need to know. Not a lot of conjecture, though we are going to start out by reading an Inman article. And then we're going to jump into why it failed, why their iBuyer model failed, what it means to the industry, and what probably is going to happen next for Zillow. These things are especially relevant to those of you in markets like Phoenix, where Zillow had actually become a real credible, you know, essentially competitor when you were going on listing appointments. Well, good news for all of you in those markets, that is no longer going to be the case. And you're going to be see some sanity return to uh, essentially investors of uh, what investors are willing to pay for houses in those particular markets. So this is great news for most of you from a boots on the ground tactical perspective. And from an industry perspective also, I think you're also going to see the fact that a lot of these tech companies, because the bruising that Zillow is going to take as a result of this epic, colossal, historic failure. It's going to make it so that any other companies that decide to get into the real estate space and to disintermediate, which means remove the middleman, and by the way, you are the middleman listeners, uh, they're probably going to think twice. So what we're going to do is Julie's going to start off by reading this article that was on Inman or parts from this article, and then we're going to get to some other uh, bits and bobbles that we pulled out from around um, the internet. So many people are talking about this. And, and listeners, this is probably going to be one of the most historic things, probably like a top 10 historic um, thing that happens and it's happened in real estate for probably the last 25 years because this is a colossal historic uh, boo-boo. Bad <laughs> failure. And you mentioned Phoenix, but in fact, Zillow had gotten into 25 different major cities. Phoenix yep. just happened to be, I believe, their first one. So headline from Inman, Zillow offers is no more and the public doesn't seem to be sad about it. <laughs> Let me just say this. I've been reading lots of articles, uh, especially on Inman. And not only does the public not seem to care about it, but real estate agents. Yeah. I mean, they are thrilled. Absolutely. And they should, that. and frankly, they should be, because in some of the markets, and we're going to talk about the facts, what Zillow was doing was probably creating a, um, essentially what I think in Phoenix, for example, if Zillow was overpaying by houses, and you and I researched what the percent was they're overpaying by, they were setting false, they were essentially putting uh, buying pressure on real home buyers that were cut out of the market because Zillow was outbidding them by paying more than what the houses would have appraised for. Yes. And because Zillow was an all cash buyer, they didn't care. Oh, until, until now. Until now. <laughs> so go ahead. All right. So across social media and especially Twitter on Tuesday, industry professionals and everyday Americans threw darts at the portal giants announcement that it would no longer be in the eye buying business in part due to Unforeseen challenges forecasting home prices. That just has to make you laugh, right? Julie and I are going to do our best <laughs> to keep the snark off the podcast and try to stay we'll try. and try to stay, um, I think, balanced in this approach. But I really do have to point out some of the—I don't know if it's arrogance, hubris, 
or yeah, unforeseen ignorance. challenges in forecasting home prices. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, and yeah, it's incredible. Oh, hold on, didn't they have that? What was that sn snazzy tool that they had uh, that was designed to actually predict home prices? What was that called? Hmm. Well, oh, Z estimates. Indeed. Oh, I guess maybe that doesn't work. Who knew? Well, who knew? And who? they went on to say that acknowledgement in particular set off a streak of conspiracies on social media with users who pointed to Zillow's Z-estimate tool, or sometimes called the Zestimate tool, which attempted to estimate home prices. Attempted to estimate. Okay, quote, we've determined the unpredictability in forecasting home prices far exceeds what we anticipate, wrote a user named Super Rob, quoting Barton, the CEO's own words. Quote, are they basically admitting that the Zestimate is BS? I mean, isn't that supposed to be their thing? Or were they using Zillow offers to try to boost those estimates? Now, so there's something mm. interesting right there. Is it possible that in markets where Zillow, I know this doesn't necessarily make sense, but you can see where this is going. And I again, were they using Z estimates to artificially lower the prices in certain markets and then somehow magically raise the prices on the houses that they had purchased? So in other words, were the, were the Z estimates artificially low, except when Zillow purchased the house and put it back for sale, then somehow the Z estimate was raised? I don't know. I doubt it, to be honest with you. But you can, Julie's going to continue reading, and a lot of people think that is exactly what Zillow was up to. Yes, definitely jimmying with pricing. Okay, quote, they have been manipulating the housing market, so we're supposed to feel bad that it didn't work, added a Twitter user, a realtor in the Carolinas. I'm feeling for homeowners that were stuck renting because they're selling their overpriced inventory to investors instead of owner-occupant buyers. That was Jonathan Osman, by the way, from Twitter. And that's kind of an interesting thing. So, Julie, read that last sentence from Jonathan again. He said, I'm feeling for homeowners that are stuck renting because home buyers, sorry, I'm feeling for home buyers that are stuck renting because they're selling their overpriced inventory to investors instead of owner-occupant buyers. Meaning, uh, when he says they're selling, he means Zillow's selling uh, and cutting those buyers out. And what we're going to be doing is we did some research on that particular uh, tweet because I wanted to know what the hell he was talking about. Because Zillow's been putting their houses for sale, obviously to sell to end users, but it turns out that they have been selling a lot of these to institutional investors. And we know, looking at your Black Rocks and whatnot, they tend to not put those houses back for sale. So you are looking again. This goes to again a grander idea here. How many of the houses have been taken out of the out of inventory, made into what probably will be long-term rental properties, thus uh, even constraining the supply of inventory? To these what we're experiencing now how big of an issue has that been and is that going to continue could the lack of institutional purchasing will this trigger the institutional purchasers slowing their purchases of homes because they no longer going to be able to buy them uh, from zillow all these things are conceivable and what will that do to home prices this could be a domino in some markets to level off the absolutely insane seller's market we've been experiencing for so long it could change inventory levels depending the, on how this exactly goes, right? Okay, so the iBuying platform's demise comes only several weeks after Zillow announced it would pause its home buying efforts due to issues with labor and supply chains. <laughs> In a, Yeah, that's everybody's excuse now, right? In a written statement on October 18th, Zillow Chief Operating Officer Jeremy Waxman remained confident the company would work through its issues and reignite its buying efforts in 2022. Quote, 
We're operating within a labor and supply constrained economy inside inside a competitive real estate market, especially in construction, renovation, and closing spaces. But that wasn't the real problem. No. The real problem was, and Julie's going to get to it, they were overpaying for houses. Yes. I think that was kind of like the pre-announcement announcement, announcement because that was when they said they were going to pause. Well, but they – I don't think they actually – what's clear is what's going to come out. Like I said, guys, this is going to be a historic story. I expect this to be a Netflix miniseries. At least something is going to be written about this. At least a book. Somebody out there do at least some history and some real drill-down research on this because it is interesting. Yes, the portal remained relatively mum after its October 18th announcement, but financial analysts and reports began ringing the alarm about the future of Zillow offers. Bloomberg's latest Zillow article, published on Monday, garnered the most attention as they revealed the company needed to offload 7,000 homes, 66% of which the portal would be selling at a loss. Now, we got the numbers. Stay tuned. We're going to give you exactly how much they're losing per house. You will not believe it. <laughs> yes, key bank analysts said, quote, I think they leaned into home price appreciation at exactly the wrong moment. However, Zillow ended its silence on Tuesday with Zillow CEO Rich Barton dropping the bombshell announcement that Zillow offers is done during an investor call. Today is a tough day at Zillow, Barton tweeted moments after the company's corporate account shared a link to its Q3 earnings. Quote, we made the difficult but necessary decision to wind down the Zillow offers operation and lay off 25% of the workforce. So here's the part of this that I'm going to get ahead of my skis, but it is still interesting, I think. You and I talked about that, right? What I'm about to say. If I'm an investor in Zillow or if I'm a, you know, a purchased Zillow bonds, I own Zillow debt, I've essentially uh, fueled through my trust in Zillow their ability, you know, their belief in their Zillow offers thing. And then if I learn that not only were they running that business atrociously, but they were actually losing money per house, had been losing money per house for a long period of time, and it wasn't sustainable, as an investor, I think I'm pissed. Well, I mean, what if you just heard, uh, quote, we've determined the unpredictability in forecasting home prices far exceeds what we anticipated, and continuing to scale Zillow offers would result in too much earnings and balance sheet volatility, he said. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. Quote, our observed error rate has been far more volatile than we thought possible. Fundamentally, we have been unable to predict future pricing of homes at a level of accuracy that makes this a safe business to be in. I think I'd be freaking out, wouldn't you? I don't even know what to say, honestly. Okay, so, quote, while we built and learned a tremendous amount operating Zillow offers, it served only a small portion of our customers, he added. Our core business and brand are strong, and we remain committed to creating an integrated and digital real estate transaction that solves the pain points of buyers and sellers while serving a wider audience. Okay, now I'm going to think I'm going to jump to our other notes because now we just get into the conjecture. Well, you know, if you want to, we can read some of these other quotes that uh, Zillow, or I'm sorry, that Inman pulled out because some of these are really worth mentioning. Uh, Let's skip this one. Let's skip this one because, all right, there, you can start reading these. This this is kind of, this is what, but this is what's fascinating. I'm going to share with you guys a little unknown or a little known unknown fact. These iBuyers, it wasn't just Zillow, were doing such an atrocious job and making so many consumers mad that they actually were getting so many bad reviews on Yelp and all these other platforms, Yelp primarily, that they, and you can research this because Inman actually broke broke this article. I learned about this from Inman maybe three or four years ago. Google this yourself. Uh, Zillow was able to somehow get um, their iBuyer platform removed from Yelp because the reviews on Yelp, not just for their iBuyer, but all these iBuyers was so atrocious. 
uh, because they're, you know, all these consumers were so mad because of the experiences they were having with, you know, Zillow and all these other iBuyers. But they were able to remove that so consumers couldn't actually see what the experiences actually were. And I, again, this was just a one, one-time article on Inman. It was fascinating. But that tells you guys how a lot of these tech companies are all playing inside ball. And I think I read on that same article, I think Teep, uh, Teak Wiggins wrote it, that the, uh, their board members were, share, were on each other's board seats or something like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody knew somebody knew somebody, and they, was able, they were able to essentially um, leverage Yelp's uh, terms of service to have the Yelp reviews, all, all the negative reviews removed. Yes. Well, I mean, well, you like Yelp, you know, don't like Yelp, but the fact is... But they, is re- they removed a way for consumers, for homeowners to make a valid decision doing their own research. But consumers being consumers, people being people, they figured sure. it out. And so here's some uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting things that uh, Inman pulled from social. Then Julie will read a, f- a few of these, and then we're going to go to some more facts and figures. Okay, perfect. So this is from somebody named Hal Singer. Uh, quote, it would really upset me to learn that Zillow altered its algorithm to show a depressed Zestimate of my house only to swoop in and nab it at a discount, then flip it for a profit at market value. Seems like a structural prohibition on platform and speculators should be imposed here. So other users chimed in calling the portal vultures and saying they have no sympathy for Zillow as it will undoubtedly take a financial hit. Uh, let's see. Uh, good added user at Las Civilian. Vultures willing to hurt other Americans with their greed deserve to lose their jobs. I, so it, so. Is, is it possible that Zillow was doing any of these conspiracy, conspiratory things? Who knows? Yeah. Not likely, honestly. It Obviously, in these markets, not having the expertise of uh, knowing the market, which right. is ultimately the reason that this uh, space which has been around forever. If you guys haven't been in the industry forever, there have always been um, owners willing to sell their houses for wholesale, basically, and always will be for all kinds of different reasons. And it's always been the space of home investors. And that space is, it's gonna be there forever. Jillian had real estate clients and all they did just did flips. And they were great clients. Um, Usually they'd find their own homes, we'd put them for sale, all that. And so what Zillow was trying to do is they were just trying to scale up the business model that had been around since people were living in houses. Not a bad uh, concept overall, but really what was at play is they were trying to get in on the seller end of the market. And this is where they were going, or at least this is the belief of where they were going. As you guys should know, Zillow is a national real estate market. And the belief was, and, and this did make sense from a business perspective, is that Zillow, because of the fact that they were going to get first bite at a lot of the, of the uh, homes, you know, first bite of the apple for a lot of these sellers who are thinking about putting their houses for sale, and not all the sellers, like I'd imagine if 10 sellers were to submit their house for sale uh, to Zillow and say, I'm interested in selling this property, what are you willing to pay for it? I imagine maybe what, well, we know statistically what not that many would be willing to pay the convenience fee or the discount. Now, of course, with Zillow overpaying for houses, probably most of them took the offers and we're gonna read about that in a second. But the reality of it is, is a certain percent won't take the offer. But what does that leave Zillow in the position of owning? What data did they gather? They know of sellers that are interested in selling their houses. And then what what they were doing is selling those leads back to agents for an enormous fee. So there was conceptually a business model and essentially generating interest in people selling their houses, obviously for an instant cash offer, having the offer not be something that the seller found palatable, and then that lead being sold to an agent. 
So from a business perspective, there was something there. Sure, there it was a lead generation tool. It was, and it was, you know, again, a lead generation tool that agents have done ever since we've been in Absolutely. real estate. The guaranteed home sale program was popular in the late 80s. When house the values 90s. came around. Exactly. All of these things have been around forever. None of these ideas were new. Um, and, you know, it turns out you can't do it at scale. Turns out. <laughs> Maybe at all. <laughs> all right, so you know what? Let's get to these okay. other points that I gathered. Let me see if there's anything here worth a whole bunch of quotes here and ideas from uh, different uh, people in the real estate industry. All right, now some of these facts and figures we're going to repeat. I was trying to keep this really tight. And so I'm, I'm writing an article for our website, timandjulieharris.com. Uh, and so the title is probably going to be, Why did Zillow's iBuyer program turn their balance sheet into a dumpster fire? You think that's, that's dramatic enough? That's, you know, it's calling it how it is. <laughs> So Rich Barton, co-founder of Zillow and CEO, here's a quote. Uh, again, we've determined the unpredictability in forecasting home prices far exceeds what we anticipated and continuing to scale Zillow offers would result in too much volatility. So we're repeating ourselves there. Like I said, that's going to happen because this is a breaking news story. And Julie and I are trying to get all the latest information. But I'm going to share with you a quote from Warren Buffett back in 2012. And I'll never forget this. He was being interviewed by Becky Quick on CNBC, and he was talking about the fact that if he were, um, you know, he's, I believe he said if he were younger, he would be gobbling up single-family houses. He would buying, be buying as many single-family houses as he could. He said thousands of single-family houses. But he said the problem with that was the management of all those houses. And what happened after that, you started sure. to see the rise of these institutional investors that were doing just that. And who did they hire to manage their single family houses? Local real estate brokers and local mm -hmm. real estate agents. And they're not selling them. For the most part, we have not seen any evidence in all the markets where we have coaching clients of there being sort of any sort of mass exodus from these properties because most of these properties were bought and now inflation is making it so that they were bought incredibly well. And these investors, these big institutional investors, are making incredible cash flow from these. Sure. Why? Rule number one of building wealth in real estate is when you have a performing asset, never sell it. So to believe any of these properties will coming, be coming on the market is almost zero. And we're going to get to an interesting little pivot here because Zillow is planning on unloading all the properties to guess what institutional buy, uh, buyers. So let's scroll down. So, okay, so is... The next point is, okay, so Zillow is out of the home flipping business. What went wrong? Now, here's where this information I double-checked on several different news sources, and I think I got it accurate, but this is very fascinating. So, Mrs. Absolutely. Harris? So, here are some facts about how unbelievably bad the iBuyer business model was for Zillow. Okay. And when I was reading these, my thought was, you know, you guys feel stressed out if you've got like 10 pending and five in inventory. Listen to these stats, right? Well, but Julie, here's the thing I think about. And, and I'll read the first point to yep, you can read sure. the second. Zola ended the quarter as in second, I think it was actually uh, third, quarter. third quarter. Yeah. With 9,790 homes in inventory. And an inventory would mean they're probably in the process of flipping them. By the way, if you guys have ever remodeled your kitchen or your bathroom, can you imagine having to manage it for 10,000 different homes all over the country? In 25 different markets. That doesn't sound like fun. In inventory. And here's the real fun part. 8,172 homes under contract that they're still going to purchase. I'm sure they're legally obligated to purchase mm -hmm. because we now are, and I'm going to share with you in a second, Julie's going to share with you in a second that they're losing money on virtually all of them, which will sell over the next six months or so. So if they, so they knew, they had to have known. I mean, they can read a spreadsheet, right? Sure. They can read a spreadsheet. They had to have been known. They had to know they were losing money consistently for years on these houses. And yet they had nearly 10,000 homes in inventory aye, aye, aye. with another $8,000 they're closing on. 
Good grief. I mean, did somebody just wake up one day and, and go, holy crap, what's this column on the spreadsheet? I know. And they I, have to report every quarter, right? Exactly. I mean, this should not have been big news. What okay. did they think was going to happen? I don't, I don't get know. it. But they bought 3,805 homes in the second quarter of this year, 2021, and sold 2,086. This past quarter, Zillow offers bought 9,680 homes. That pushed the business of closing on homes and preparing them for sale to a breaking point. So what this tells you, this statistic, is they were buying... Uh, obviously, a basically almost twice, if not three times faster than they could they flip sold. them and put them back for sale. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Zillow sold only 3,032 homes in the third quarter, which was below expectations. And the average gross profit per home was a, that's such a confusing sentence. It was a loss. I know it says average gross profit, but it is a loss of $80,771. Read that again. Yes, you heard it right. Zillow lost over $80,000 per house flip on average. You would think they would have adjusted their business model after losing 80000 per flip rather quickly, but no, they kept on buying and losing. I don't know about you, but if you were trying to flip and in the first or second one, you lost eighty grand, you probably wouldn't go gobble up 10000 more. But. but so, again, what they said earlier about supply chains and not being able to get their toilets and their faucets sure. and their carpet and finding competent people to actually do the work totally makes sense. It does. I believe that. Totally. Times 10,000. They knew that was not, that's not a new problem. Right. Right. That's a problem that's existed for well over a year. Yes. And they kept buying. They were buying happy, basically. They were. And yeah. so what was, what, what does that tell you well, about a business that doesn't stop to actually take a breath? Yes. Well, maybe that comes from playing with other people's money. And that's unfortunately yes. what probably was going to be uh, ferreted out over time Indeed. in that Netflix special. I'm sure that it'll be made. So Zillow is selling 64% of the homes in their top five markets for less than it paid. Example, Zillow is uh, selling 93% of their homes in Phoenix for less than they paid. Now, remember, Phoenix was one of their first markets, but that's nearly everything they bought they're selling for a loss. Had that not been paid for in cash, those would maybe be short sales in a, for a normal person. Isn't that incredible to think about? I mean, an $81,000 loss, sure, certainly. So I'm, I'm going back to my opponent I made at the top of the show. If I were an investor in Zillow right now, how, how is there not going to be a big old mess from this? Because there has to be so many mom and pop or even institutional investors. They're looking at this colossal mismanagement of capital and just scratching their heads or not even scratching their heads. Just it, It's bewildering. I've never, ever heard of a business. Look, you can have a crappy quarter and you can make sure. some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens. You can have some kind of thing happen and causes your, your business. I remember it wasn't that long ago um, – you know, during the start of the pandemic, there were all kinds of businesses that were mm-hmm. basically pushed back in there. Okay, pandemics don't happen every other day. I mean, this is a rare pandemic kind of thing, right? This wasn't. They no. saw this was happening for a long period of time, and they kept overpaying. Right, and this is why you do a profit and loss quarterly, so you can have aha moments and change course, right? So let's look at some of the numbers here. Zillow claims there is no fire sale for homes, and yet... Zillow is looking to sell 7,000 homes for a 2.8 billion, that's with a B, to institutional investors as it looked to unload its portfolio of properties. Some of these sales would be for below the purchase price, again, according to Bloomberg. So what does this mean for the real estate industry? Well, so this is where I sort of was trying to think what's next for Zillow. And here's what's really fascinating to me. Julie and I have not been advocates of, okay, let me just, I'm going to give history. Sure. So when Zillow started selling buyer leads to agents, you know, Julie and I have been in the coaching business forever, basically. And we saw that was a great opportunity for lower skilled agents. Don't be offended, but if you were not lower skilled, you would be, you know, working with sellers primarily. 
But they, it was a great opportunity for newer agents or lower skilled agents that didn't know how to pursue sellers, didn't know how to proactively lead generate to essentially uh, start doing transactions. Mm -hmm. And initially, we had some coaching clients mm -hmm. and it really did work well for them. Sure. That didn't last. No. And Zillow started, you know, doing all kinds of little manipulations with how they were distributing the leads. And now this latest manipulation, which we're not going to talk about today, is if you're a, um, you know, a Zillow agent, they're round robbing the leads. You say, like, for example, agents were spending so much time and so prideful of their Zillow reviews, they would put it on their email signatures and on their, I have five star, 505. It doesn't matter anymore because all that time and effort you guys put. Now, remember, Harris rule number, I don't even remember which one, 11, I think, from our book. You know, don't build a mansion or a house on land you don't own. And so, so many of you were building your businesses or at least a facet of your business, um, some of you all of your business, from Zillow. You were hoping Zillow was going to continue to pour leads, great quality leads on you for long periods of time. And they, after all, were this big, trustworthy Zillow. After all, sounds like pillow. Sure. Who doesn't like a nice, exactly. Cozy. And Zillow promised forever they weren't going to get in the real estate business. Yes, they, they are did. now in the real estate business. Zillow promised all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And now basically what you're seeing is the whole thing coming full circle. So what is Zillow going to do next? It's They're essentially out of the flipping business. They are out of the flipping business, assuming they financially can survive the unloading of all these properties. And who knows what's going to happen in the public markets as far as what their losses will actually be. But more importantly, how shareholders in the overall market handles the incompetence with their iBuyer model. is Are they going to survive that? Well, let's assume they do. So what's next for Zillow? They're going to have to lean back into selling you guys leads. The problem is y'all are too damn smart now to buy them. And that's what's happened. So many agents have gone, like when it started out, when they started selling out leads, selling leads, it was great. It worked great. Then it didn't work great. And then it started working poorly. And now buy, and now agents know better. The, pretty much the only agents that are, um, you know, it, Zillow basically decided they're going to sell their leads primarily to larger teams and brokerages that were willing to pay them an enormous amount of money, thus uh, essentially squeezing out the individual agent who is willing to spend thousands of dollars, three to $5,000 a month or whatever, on buying leads. Those people, those agents are essentially no longer gonna get leads from Zillow. And furthermore, the quality of leads that Zillow was able to generate went down in just below ground level. Why? Zillow was the first at scale to sell buyer leads. Zillow was copying Realtor.com's business model. They did not think of it. All Zillow does is, uh, they would call it iteration, but really what all they do is they copy. Nothing wrong with copying because Zillow did many things better than everyone else did. For example, their website, their, their consumer-facing app, phenomenal. Best of breed, by far, no comparison. Why the other competitors haven't caught up, I don't know. Word has it that eXp Realty is considering mm -hmm. is, is in the works of making their own, but we'll have to see how that works out. So the reality of it is, is that what Zillow is going to have to start doing is selling buyer leads back to you guys. But the, everything has changed. The buying... Uh, the buying of buyer leads has become oversaturated. Everybody and their brother and their brother's dog sells buyer leads. Most agents have figured out that buying that bought buyer leads have little to no value. They were good quality back in the day, but right now what a consumer is doing is they're going to Zillow, they're filling out a form, they're going to another website, they're filling out a form. And then what's even worse is that same buyer lead is being sold to multiple different agents. You guys get it? 
it's it's even it's far worse than oversaturation. Oversaturation is when you have you know essentially what we're describing with too many people selling buyer leads. This is like a flood. And so if you're getting into the business now and you're thinking, well, I'm going to make ends meet by buying buyer leads, you will not. You will die in this business. I don't mean that literally. You will not survive in the business. And that's unfortunate. So here's your wake up call. Zillow is going to most likely have to figure out how to recapture the lost, the uh, market share that they gave up to agents selling them these dubious buyer leads. I don't think the industry is going to fall for it again. And Julie and I are not the only ones that are saying that. Gary Keller, for example, says, do not do business with Zillow. Many other people said, do not do business with Zillow. They are not trustworthy in the essence, in, in, in proof being that they promised they wouldn't become a brokerage. They became a brokerage. They promised they wouldn't do this. They did it. They're going to try to do it again. And they carry this flag that we're trying to do best with consumers and you know get rid of the, uh, the rough edges around a real estate transaction. All they're trying to do is get between you and your customer and charge you a fee for that. And don't you feel that this failure of their iBuyer scale-up model, I wonder how much their credibility will be affected by this because it's almost like they failed at doing what they say they're good at themselves. Yeah. Like predicting the market, being accurate on pricing, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I, I wonder what the long-term effects of this will be. What they're counting on mm -hmm. is they're counting on the fact that real estate industry on a whole has such huge amount of churn. Right. They're counting on the fact that there's maybe 20, Tomorrow's agents won't know anything. 20, 30, 40, maybe yeah. 50,000 of you are going to download this podcast. This is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. We're listened to in 61 different countries. Here's the thing we know. A vast majority of you have not been in the business long enough to know that Zillow, buying buyer leads from Zillow is essentially an exercise in futility. Most of you have not experienced that to know it. So you're gonna get in the business or you're gonna, you know, 2022 is gonna roll around. What am I gonna do? A Zillow rep's gonna call you on the phone, which that in itself is kind of a joke if you think about it. Right. I mean, let's just, let's drill down on that for a second. Okay, Julie and I teach you all how to be proactive lead generators. That is what the heart of our and soul of our coaching uh, business is teaching agents how they can own the land, build the house on the land, so they actually have control of their business. Makes sense, doesn't Meaning it? Meaning profitability. Right. And so Zillow is calling you the very same thing we want you to do to generate your business. In other words, Zillow is being proactive and calling you to try to get you to be a customer. And yet they're trying to sell you on the idea that you don't have to be proactive by trying to sell you, trying to sell you leads that they generated off their website. You guys get the conflict in that? So if that worked, why are they calling? <laughs> right. If Right, exactly. So if the leads that if Zillow could generate leads, why uh, to you know if, essentially why aren't you guys able to buy what Zillow is selling off their website? Why do they have to call you? So, hmm, mm -hmm. why don't you call people, learn what to say, how to say it, and you will never have to be beholden to anybody for buying leads. Keeping your money in your pocket. That's right. That's right. Your product is, or at least should be, profit. And what's your what's your option, guys? You're going to start buying leads. The leads are going to start going down. You're going to then they're going to call. You're going to complain, and then they're going to say, "Well, you got to buy more leads. Would you like to buy a new zip code?" And you're saying, "Well, I don't know how the hell to do anything else, so I'm going to buy more leads." Mm -hmm. You're going to buy more leads. You're going to buy more leads. You're going to start out at 800 bucks a month, 5,000 dollars a month, whatever they're going to sell you into, and then sooner or later you're going to be spending virtually all of your money buying leads just to make the same amount of money that you were back when the fee was a lot less. That is the slippery slope that some of you are on, and you have no other options because you have not taken the time to learn how to be a proactive lead generator. Well, and some of them will fail out of the business because they think that they suck 
but in fact, it's the leads that suck. Yeah. And, and because of the time and the money spend, they've run out of time and money to build the skill. They end up not just getting out of the business, but getting out of the business in debt on their credit card 100%. for blowing all of this. And you guys are then sold into the idea that, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand, you silly real estate coach. The reason that it works is because you buy these leads and you put them in a CRM and then you dip on them yeah. until the cows come home. And then eventually they raise their hand and they say, I want to buy a house from you. That is not how the world works. We have talked about it endlessly on our podcast and our coaching program that that is not actually how consumers behave. There has, there, again, I'm going to lean back into Inman. They do the best reporting on this. And guess what? Teak Wiggins did this very report. Google it yourself. Proving that long-term lead follow-up for CRMs is in essence an act of futility, a complete waste of time. And that's what you guys are being sold. You buy these leads from Zillow, you put them in these long-term uh, you know, campaigns, that's the CRMs, and then somehow magically when you have enough people, a certain percent of those people are going to buy or sell or going to you know, buy a house through you. Which that's is a, such a micro percent. And here's the thing, even off that micro percent, all right, so let's say one or two percent will actually buy. It still doesn't mean it's going to buy with you. Right. How many different CRMs where they're being dripped upon are these buyers, you know, are, are they already entered into? And here's what we do know. Statistically, and again, it's in our book, Harris Rules, the best buyers are the ones driving the neighborhoods. The least motivated buyers are the ones searching on the internet. This is true. Doesn't it make sense? Well, your grizzled veterans will tell you if you if you think about the last really great buyer that they worked with or really great seller that they worked with, that person did not dig through two years of drip system in their email to find you. No, they probably already knew you. You already contacted them. You had a relationship and they called you. All right. So we're going to, this is a little conjecture here. We're going to talk about what happens next for Zillow, but I'm going to tell you from, you know, again, not an expert. Julie and I do not, as far as I know, own any Zillow shares. Nope. We're not investors in Zillow. Um, but here's what we think is going to happen. And this is based, so we're going to lean into somebody who is an expert, a gentleman named Mike uh, Delpreet, who I've exchanged emails with before. Uh, but before I get into, and Julie's going to read this next section, I want you guys to think about the era that we've entered into from the buyer's perspective. And the reason that we've always begged for all of you to put all your best efforts on becoming a listing agent. Buyers, agents, commissions, and many markets have dropped. Now, you want to really know the poison pill? In many of the markets, like Phoenix, like Southern Florida, the reason that the buyers, agents, commissions have dropped have been because, guess who? Zillow mm -hmm. and Open Door. Because the buyer's agent commission was oftentimes the largest, you know. Expense. I, I, it was on, on the expense side. And in fact, we reported not too long ago that Zillow literally studied how low they could drive the commissions. In some of these major markets, they did quarter by quarter studies. They started out at, you know, a little bit less than your normal going rate. Then they reduced it by a quarter percent. Then they reduced it by a half percent, seeing how low they could take it and still get the house sold. Exactly. And that in your markets where you guys are seeing a real degrading of your buyer's agent commission, it's because what they discovered was that they could actually, I think it was less than 2%, it wasn't was. it? Yeah. Wasn't it like 1.8%? That's the last study I read, yes. There was a breaking point at 1.8% where it started to have an adverse effect on the sellability of the house. And that, so they knew that was the floor. At that point, the market, the uh, uh, buyer's agents, you know, obviously started not necessarily wanting to. To show it, that. Right, exactly, or yeah. whatever. It, uh, it was less marketable. Let's just leave it at that so we mm -hmm. don't have to get into any semantics of legality. But so if you want to know who to blame, it's the same fellas. They're going to come back and try to sell you leads. They're the ones that have degraded the actual business uh, value proposition that they now have to lean back into in order to basically make their business viable. 
So what's next for Zillow? It's widely believed that Zillow will get back to its roots and focus on the buyer side of the transaction, perhaps expanding the services they provide to home buyers and becoming what well-respected real estate expert Mike Delpreet calls, quote, a power buyer. Uh, following the rise of iBuyers during the past decade, 2021 has seen the emergence and rapid growth of what's called power buyers, companies empowering buyers with services like cash offers, bridge financing, and trade-in programs. Like iBuyers, these companies are transaction-focused, but most critically targets buyers instead of sellers. Power buyers leverage their balance sheets to purchase homes on behalf of their customers, turning offers into all-cash offers or as part of a trade-in program. Shall I go on? Uh, yeah, this is kind of interesting. Okay. But this is – so this is – well, um, okay, yeah. No, I'm, let's just – That's a good close. Yeah, let's – let's go ahead and read it. This is good. Okay, again from Mike Delpreet from Inman. Zillow's decision to close its iBuying business is a victory for rationalists everywhere. For years, investment in real estate tech has frequently defied reason, prioritizing a company's ability to grow over profitability. Sustained unprofitability was the new competitive advantage, and red was the new black. But perhaps this is a turning point. For investors in Zillow, Opendoor, Compass, and a score of others, at some point, enough is enough. A credible path to profitability is needed. For Zillow, this, and losing a cool billion, is that point. So here's an interesting counter to that. Mm-hmm. Um, EXP Realty yes. came out with their quarterly earnings, and they're profitable. Yes. Yeah. Like for reals. Right. And there's this is the reason there's a lot of investment uh, firms, you know, uh, both, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs and, you know, that's what an investment firm is. They're saying that uh, EXP Realty is essentially still priced as uh, could double in value. We're not stock pickers. No. We do have EXPI stock. So just keep all that in mind. We're not adva- financial advisors, but I'm just giving you the counter to that. So EXP Realty is run as a profitable business enterprise. All of these others are uh, run as a loss. Now, you might say to yourself, how can they continue to operate when they're losing money every month? Because they're using investor money. That's why. They're burning money. And there's in a lot of these te- in the tech realms, uh, profit is actually not something they're trying to achieve. They want growth. They want profit. growth because what they're trying to do is they're trying to be the dominant player in the space. So, for example, Zillow probably rationalized losing this extraordinary amount of money per unit that they were losing because they were trying to beat open door and at every mature market there's one dominant player and then there's everybody else every do- like exp realty just mm-hmm. in the virtual real estate space the dominant player by miles and miles and miles Absolutely. and back again okay zillow was trying was, was competing with open door but open door interestingly enough wasn't losing money per house mm-hmm. they're operating uh, at a very more essentially they were not blowing and wasting money mm-hmm. they're operating it like a business that was intending to make profit um, so Open Door is going to be the big winner in all of this. Sounds like but it. but it is fascinating that maybe what this is is the end of this philosophy that you just build bis- despite profit just for the sake of gaining market share yeah. with the idea that you know one day someplace sometime in the future you're going to have profitability. And what Mike is saying, I believe, is that that might what just is about to happen and Zillow losing a billion dollars in investor money. This might be the hard stop. For all these businesses that were built around not turning a profit. That's right. That they were focused more on growth than actual profitability. And you know, your question was valid because anybody listening to this is saying, Well, how can you go on that long for being that unprofitable? But it was because they were using investor money, right? So if somebody handed you five million dollars and said, Go buy some houses, you would probably be less careful about the purchase price. You would just go out and buy as many houses as you could gobble up. And then you would deal with the consequences later. So here's our suggestion to you guys. So 
Stop doing business with Zillow. Just stop. Stop feeding up. Stop feeding your competitor. Stop being, don't be offended by this word, lazy, and learn how to be a proactive lead generator. Stop buying business. Full stop. Just don't do it. And when you have a business that's predicated on you being a proactive lead generator, you're not going to even, I mean, you might find this stuff interesting like we do, but you're not really going to care about it. Right? You know, there was a long, a great, wonderful article, and I actually want to get her on the podcast. It was this um, break. Was this, did I share this with you, Julie? It was on Inman, of course. Mm-hmm. It, this one right here. Oh. I, I'm, I'm a messenger, and I'm hoping she's going to say yes. But it's her Dear Zillow letter, and the subtitle is, Dear Zillow, it's not me, it's you, writes Agent Meg Jones Mullen. <laughs> Here's why she cut back 80% of her $5,000 a month spend on, uh, for Zillow leads. And then in the article, she says she's completely cutting them out. She'll be but, a great interview. But, Julie, this is a hilarious – she wasn't even meaning for it to be as funny as it is, but it is so perfect – how she essentially has this long-term relationship with Zillow and what's happened and why Zillow essentially has betrayed her. And, you know, it's really doing it. She does a great, comical, easy-to-read, fun job. If you guys are Inman subscribers, definitely read that article. But in the meantime, we're going to try to get her on the show. We'll probably do it as a uh, Zoom uh, broadcast. That'd be fun. It would be. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to try to do. So our suggestion to all of you guys is double down on becoming proactive lead generators. Double down on becoming listing agents. And we've made it easy for you. You need to have a business plan. You need to learn how to you know, scale up your business in 2022 around profitability. Don't do it like Zillow does, where you basically get to celebrate how much money you're losing. Download your 2022 fill-in-the-blank business plan. We call it the Real Estate Treasure Map. We've done the heavy lifting for you. It's 63 pages. This isn't just some silly one-time nothingness. This is an actual fill-in-the-blank business plan. And all you've got to do is text 2022 to 47372. Text 2022 to 47372. And we'll you have to, you know, uh, agree that you want the uh, text with the information. So there's a couple little steps you'll have to do and then we'll, and you will then be able to download it and you can email it to yourself or whatever. So it's done. It's ready for you. Once you get it, guys, download it, print it, and then fill it out. Fill it out with your spouse, your partner. Don't, you know, make this a familial or, you know, make this something that is really meaningful for you going into 2022 because it's going to be your roadmap. You're going to have clear direction. So you won't be susceptible when Zillow inevitably calls you up and says, hey, Bob, do you want to buy a buyer lead? <laughs> want to buy a lead? Hey, Bob, you want to, you know, we got leads in your marketplace for great buyers. You're going to know that you can say no. Guys, if you generate your own leads, you don't have to tolerate the futility of buying leads. I want you to keep that in mind. And if you like this podcast, if you like our podcasts in general, if we're helping you in your business as a lot of you profess that we are, which we sincerely appreciate, otherwise this wouldn't be the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States, we would certainly appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. It's very meaningful to us to see that we're being impactful in your lives. Share this podcast with other real estate professionals. There is starting to be sanity returning to real estate. And those markets where Zillow has been making things seem a little insane in your markets, guess what? Those days are over. So you guys can probably breathe a sigh of relief for the, what was it, 2,000 people at Zillow that got laid off. We feel sorry for you. I'm sorry that that happened, um, especially around the holidays. But I assume that Zillow had to do this at a horrible time of year because they didn't have a choice. For the rest of us, let's move forward. Remember, this business is about being of service to other people. um, And this business is about becoming the best version of you as a real estate professional. It's our honor and our pleasure to continue to be your podcast hosts of Real Estate Coaching Radio. If you need us for everything, anything, at any time, remember, you guys can text me at 512-758-0206. 
512-758-0206. I'd love some feedback on this show, guys. Text me or uh, post it someplace where we can start the conversation. If you guys want more information like this, this is a slight step out of our normal content. Let us know. We obviously always have opinions on what's going on in the overall real estate industry, but our primary focus is keeping you focused on being transactional so you can be of service to other people. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.